Chapter 5 of Faulkner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Faulkner by Mary Shelley. Chapter 5. Paris was the next but transient resting place of the travelers. Here Faulkner made such arrangements with regard to remittances as he believed would best ensure his scheme of concealment he laid the map of europe before him and traced a course with his pencil somewhat erratic yet not without a plan paris hamburg stockholm st petersburg moscow odessa constantinople through hungary to vienna how many thousand miles miles which while he traversed he could possess his soul in freedom fear no scrutiny be asked no insidious questions he could look each man in the face and none trace his crime in his own it was a wild scheme to make so young a child as elizabeth the companion of these devious and long wanderings yet it was her idea that shed golden rays on the boundless prospect he contemplated he could not have undertaken this long journey alone memory and remorse his only companions he was not one of those unfortunately whom a bright eye and kindly smile can light at once into a flame soon burnt out it is true but warming and cheering and yet harmless while it lasted he could not among strangers at once discern the points to admire and make himself the companion of the intelligent and good through a sort of freemasonry some spirits possess this was a great defect of character he was proud and reserved his esteem must be won long habits of intimacy formed his fastidious taste never wounded his imagination never balked without this he was silent and wrapped in himself all his life he had cherished a secret and ardent passion beyond whose bounds everything was sterile this had changed from the hopes of love to the gnawing pangs of remorse but still his heart fed on itself and unless that was interested and by the force of affection he were called out of himself he must be miserable to arrive unwelcomed at an inn to wander through unknown streets and cities without any stimulus of interest or curiosity to traverse vast tracts of country useless to others a burden to himself alone this would have been intolerable but elizabeth was the cure she was the animating soul of his project her smiles her caresses the knowledge that he benefited her was the life-blood of his design he indulged with a sort of rapture in the feeling that he loved and was beloved by an angel of innocence who grew each day into a creature endowed with intelligence sympathies hopes fears and affections all individually her own and yet modelled by him centred in him to whom he was necessary who would be his not like the vain love of his youth only in imagination but in every thought and sensation to the end of time nor did he intend to pursue his journey in such a way as to overtask her strength or injure her health he cared not how much time elapsed before its completion it would certainly employ years it mattered not how many when winter rendered travelling painful he could take up his abode in a metropolis abounding in luxuries during the summer heats he might fix himself in some villa where the season would be mitigated to pleasantness if impelled by a capricious predilection he could stay for months in any chance selected spot but his home was with elizabeth beside him in his travelling carriage 
perpetual change would baffle pursuit if any were set on foot while the restlessness of his life the petty annoyances and fleeting pleasures of a traveller's existence would serve to occupy his mind and prevent its being mastered by those passions to which one victim had been immolated and which rendered the remnant of his days loathsome to himself i have determined to live he thought and i must therefore ensure the means of life i must adopt a method by which i can secure for each day that stock of patience which is necessary to lead me to the end of it in the plan i have laid down every day will have a task to be fulfilled and while i employ myself in executing it i need look neither before nor behind and each day added thus one by one to one another will form a months and years and i shall grow old travelling post over europe his resolution made he was eager to enter on his travels which singular to say he performed even in the very manner he had determined for the slight changes in the exact route introduced afterward from motives of convenience or pleasure might be deemed rather as in accordance with than deviating from his original project faulkner was not a man ordinarily met with he possessed wild and fierce passions joined to extreme sensibilities beneficence and generosity his boyhood had been rendered miserable by the violence of a temper roused to anger even from trifles collision with his fellow-creatures a sense of dignity with his equals and of justice toward his inferiors had subdued this still his blood was apt to boil when roused by any impediment to his designs or the sight of injury toward others and it was with great difficulty that he kept down the outward marks of indignation or contempt to tame the vehemence of his disposition he had endeavoured to shackle his imagination and to cultivate his reason and perhaps he fancied that he succeeded best when in fact he entirely failed as now when he took the little orphan with him away from all the ties of blood the manners and customs of her country from the discipline of regular education and the society of others of her sex had not elizabeth been the creature she was with a character not to be disharmonized by any circumstances this had been a fearful experiment yet he fondly hoped to derive happiness from it traversing long tracts of country with vast speed cut off from intercourse with every one but her and she endearing herself more daily by extreme sweetness of disposition he began almost to forget the worm gnawing at his bosom and feeling himself free to fancy himself happy unfortunately it was not so he had passed the fatal rubicon placed by conscience between innocence and crime and however much he might for a time deaden the stings of feeling or baffle the inevitable punishments hereafter to arise from the consequences of his guilt still there was a burden on his soul that took all real zest from life and made his attempts at enjoyment more like the experiments of a physician to dissipate sickness than the buoyant sensations of one in health but then he thought not of himself he did not live in himself but in the joyous being at his side her happiness was exuberant she might be compared to an exotic lately pinched and drooping from the effects of the wintry air transported back in the first opening of a balmy southern spring to its native clime 
The young and tender green leaves unfolded themselves in the pleasant air. Blossoms appeared among the foliage, and the sweet fruit might be anticipated. Nor was it only the kindness of her protector that endeared him to her. Much of the warm sentiment of affection arose from their singular modes of life. Had they continued at a fixed resident in town or country, in a civilized land, Elizabeth had seen her guardian at stated periods, have now and then taken a walk with him or gambled in the garden at his side, while for the chief part their occupation and pursuits being different, they had been little together. As it was, they were never apart, side by side in a traveling carriage, now arriving, now departing, now visiting the objects worthy of observation in various cities. They shared in all the pleasures and pains of travel, and each incident called forth her sense of dependence and his desire to protect. Or, changing places, even at that early age, she soothed his impatience, while he was beguiled of his irritability by her cheerful voice and smiling face. In all this, Elizabeth felt most strongly the tie that bound them, sometimes benighted, sometimes delayed by swollen rivers, reduced to bear together the miseries of a bad inn, or at times of no inn at all, sometimes in danger, often worn by fatigue, Elizabeth found in her adopted parent a shelter, a support, and a preserver. Creeping close to him, her little hand clasped in his, or carried in his arm, she feared nothing, because he was there. During storms at sea, he had placed his own person between her and the bitter violence of the wind, and had often exposed himself to the inclemency of the weather to cover her and save her from wet and cold. At all times, he was on the alert to assist, and his assistance was like the coming of a superior being, sufficient to save her from harm and inspire her with courage. Such circumstances had, perhaps, made a slight impression on many children, but Elizabeth had senses and sensibilities so delicately strung as to be true to the slightest touch of harmony. She had not forgotten the time when, neglected and almost in rags, she only heard the voice of complaint or chiding when she crept alone over the sands to her mother's grave, and did a tempest overtake her, there was none to shield or be of comfort. She remembered little accidents that had at times befallen her, which to her infantine feelings seemed mighty dangers. But there had been none as now to pluck her from peril and ensure her safety. She recollected when, on one occasion, a thunderstorm had overtaken her in the churchyard, when hurrying home her foot slipped as she attempted to descend the wet path of the cliff. Frightened, she clambered up again, and returning home by the upper road had lost her way, and found night darkening round her, wet, tired, and shivering with fear and cold. And then, on her return, her welcome had been a scolding, well meant perhaps, but vulgar, loud, and painful and now the contrast. Her wishes guessed, her thoughts divined, ready succor and perpetual vigilance were forever close at hand, and all this accompanied by a gentleness, kindness, and even by a respect which the ardent yet refined feelings of her protector readily bestowed. Thus a physical gratitude, so to speak, sprung up in her child's heart, a precursor to the sense of moral obligation to be developed in after years. Every hour added strength to her affection, and habit generated fidelity, 
and an attachment not to be shaken by any circumstances. Nor was kindness from him the only tie between them. Elizabeth discerned his sadness and tried to cheer his gloom. Now and then the fierceness of his temper broke forth toward others, but she was never terrified and grieved for the object of his indignation, or if she felt it to be unjust, she pleaded the cause of the injured, and by her caresses brought him back to himself. She early learned the power she had over him, and loved him the more fondly on that account. Thus there existed a perpetual interchange of benefit, of watchful care, of mutual forbearance, of tender pity and thankfulness. If all this seems beyond the orphan's years, it must be remembered that peculiar circumstances develop peculiar faculties, and that, besides, what is latent does not the less exist on that account. Elizabeth could not have expressed, and was indeed unconscious, of the train of feeling here narrated. It was the microcosm of a plant folded up in its germ. Sometimes looking at a green, unformed bud, we wonder why a particular texture of leaves must inevitably spring from it, and why another sort of plant should not shoot out from the dark stem. But, as the tiny leaflet uncloses, it is there in all its peculiarity, and endowed with all the especial qualities of its kind. Thus with Elizabeth, however, in the thoughtlessness and inexperience of childhood, small outward show was made of the inner sense. Yet in her heart, tenderness, fidelity, and unshaken truth were folded up, to be developed as her mind gained ideas and sensations gradually verged into sentiment. The course of years also is included in this sketch. She was six years old when she left Paris. She was nearly ten when, after many wanderings and a vast tract of country overpassed, they arrived at Odessa. There had always been a singular mixture of childishness and reflection in her, and this continued even now. As far as her own pleasures were concerned, she might be thought behind her age, to chase a butterfly, to hunt for a flower, to play with a favorite animal, to listen with eagerness to the wildest fairy tales. Such were her pleasures. But there was something more as she watched the turns of countenance in him she named her father adapted herself to his gloomy or communicative mood, pressed near him when she thought he was annoyed, and restrained every appearance of discomfort when he was distressed by her being exposed to fatigue or the inclement sky. When at St. Petersburg he fell ill, she never left his bedside, and remembering the death of her parents, she wasted away with terror and grief. At another time, in a wild district of Russia, she sickened of the measles, they were obliged to take refuge in a miserable hovel, and despite all his care, the want of medical assistance endangered her life, while her convalescence was rendered tedious and painful by the absence of every comfort. Her sweet eyes grew dim, her little head drooped. No mother could have attended on her more assiduously than Faulkner, and she long after remembered his sitting by her in the night to give her a drink, her pillow smoothed by him and when she grew a little better, his carrying her in his arms under a shady grove, so to give her the benefit of the air, in a manner that would least incommode her. These incidences were never forgotten. They were as the color and fragrance to the rose, the very beauty and delight of both their lives. Faulkner felt a half-remorse at the too great pleasure he derived from her society, 
while hers was a sort of rapturous, thrilling adoration that dreamed not of the necessity of a check and luxuriated in its boundless excess. End of chapter 5